Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Welcome to another episode of the Talk and Power podcast. This is we're up to episode 86 and we have with us some big guests from all the way from Sydney, New South Wales. Tonight we are joined by Operation Radial Freedom Weekly, their Facebook show and Instagram show, the Jet 275 team. Welcome aboard, Sam and Vic. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You guys are like radial royalty. I don't know about royalty. We're probably uh, Australia's most wanted radio racers, but uh, <laughs> 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 it's a big compliment. We're, we're very passionate about it. We are. <laughs> I, I just, for starters, it's great to see a Commodore that doesn't have an LS in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's one with an RB30, and the other one's got a chef. So I know. No and, one less and Vic, I've got to tell you, the RB guys over here, they all hate your guts. <laughs> Mate, I love it, man. I sleep great. That's a compliment, bro. <laughs> 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 yeah, just beat them up on a little 235 there. And, I know. Uh, do what we've got to do. No, it's great, man. It's great. Thank you. Well, look, before we get, before we get too in-depth and, and a bit political tonight, well, let's, let's touch, start off with you guys I mean, your, and, your, and your cars. I think that's important to start off with. Um, Sam, why don't you tell us a bit about your VS, HSV, um, club sport, small block Chev, as you said, 400. Uh, can you tell us a bit about it? Uh, yeah, so the, the car was um, originally purchased because I said to Vic I wanted a, a supercharged car for my wedding. And um, so we supercharged that and Vic got the, uh, the duties of doing the biggest burnout in front of the Greek Church of Kingsford and um, <laughs> drove it to the wedding photos. And then from there it, um, it got pulled over a few times by the local constabulary. And um, I, uh, I made the decision to turn, turn it into a race car. And uh, from there, we had a, a 355 um, that Vic had uh, put together that uh, ran, I think it was, what did it run then? Nine, oh, 950s. 950s at 144. Mm. And I was sitting in Subway, I'll never forget, at Mascot, just near the airport in Sydney. And uh, Vic goes, uh, you know, the next engine I'm going to get for you, you're going to run what you did at the quarter to half. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, don't stress. He goes, I've got a few things in the pipeline. So, so we sourced this, uh, this Chevrolet from, um, from, uh, from the US and it had already run in a Chevelle over there. And um, after a little bit of shoehorning into the car, uh, it's a VS uh, Senator. Um, we, uh, we ended up going 767 at 184 after uh, blood, sweat and tears mm. uh, with the involvement of uh, Vic, obviously tuning and, JW Automotive, they're doing all of the suspension setup and the, the wiring and and uh, and setting the car up on the radials. It still ran a uh, set of 90-10 pedal shocks at the front, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't the, we, we didn't get to change that because, um, lo and behold, Vic said the same thing to me after I ran that pass. Um, the next engine cost me a fair whack of money, but um, the uh, the next engine, the Vic Source, has gone 592 at uh, 252 mile and... Um, that's going to be twin turbo in the Chev. So let's see what it does. Small block as well, Chev. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're upgrading. <laughs> I like the look and the feel of the car. I mean, it's, it's correct me if I'm wrong, still full full steel body. You haven't, you haven't body, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. full steel body. Uh, I'm getting rid of the big um, 
cow hood, so it'll have uh, just a nice little uh, bump on the hood now. Um, it'll be a, a, a factory-looking car from the outside, mm. um, but mate, it's all it's all race purpose now. Uh, Six boost from uh, Toowoomba has got his hands on it. Vic and Justin have got a Motec going into it uh, with all the yep. bells and whistles. So look, it's um it's turned into a, a, a bit more of a, an investment for me, but um, it's a passion, obviously, as you know that I have and. Uh, yeah. And uh, Vic's making sure I don't put an LS in it and anything bigger than 400 cubes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you seem to speak the same language as Simon. So that's, that's right. Oh, 100% boys, 100% spot on. Well, well, Simon, he reminds me that he's making how many uh, horsepower per cube with his three litre RB30. Yeah. And he's making me look stupid. So I'm going to keep it at 400 just for that purpose. Don't worry about that. Hey, Vic, while, while we got you there, then tell us a little bit about your VL as well. That's pretty famous Australia-wide, um, your, your ride as well, uh, Jet 30R. Tell us a little bit about what you've done on a, on a 235 there. You've gone as quick as a 774 at 177 and 482 to the half track um, on, a, on a 235. That's, that was at 148 mile an hour. So tell us a little bit about Jet 30R. Yeah, look, um, the vehicle uh, is not the original Jet 30R. I've had two cars that look virtually identical. Um, the first one I sort of purchased in 07, uh, come out of Victoria, did my own tasteful modifications to it. Car was running like 920s, got it down to about 870s. This is back in 2010. And then um, I had a little bit of time off where I was doing a lot of R&D with the engine work with the mob down there. Um, having said that, another VL Calais come up for sale. This one here looked a little bit prettier. Um, and I just said, well, you know, maybe I'll just keep it sort of street race sort of thing. Basically not having um, four glass windows, um, one passenger seat, driver's seat, and just putting the revised engine combination into this car, which was a little bit lighter. Um, the car itself, we debuted it, and it was running around about the 840 mark. Um, we started playing around with a, with a few EFI systems and stuff. And I said, look, I don't have the data capacity that I need. I spoke to my buddy Justin up at um, JW Automotive. I said, look, dude, I need to put an ECU in the car. That's going to give me a lot more data for what, um, what I'm going to need and where I'm going to need to be in the future, you know? He said, yeah, no drama. So we got everything out of the car. And basically, I went up there for about a week and we put a link EFI system in the car, sort of a bit of a tune-up in it come back to Sydney, started playing, all of a sudden, you know, uh, the car's sort of going like, you know, uh, 820s, 81s, and we're just sort of just having a bit of a feel, getting all our data. All of a sudden, I go to him, listen, dude, at the time I had a 255 radial on the car. I said, look, I want to put a 235 on there. He said, look, it's a bit of an ask, but we'll do it. I know Justin's very competent with sort of the tune side and the suspension. Um, and obviously the tune side is not just the actual suspension, it's obviously the front, the rear converter, two steps. The whole tune-up set up for the car, and I said, look, you know, the power's the power. We've got good power, but we just need to get it to leave and see if we can try run, like, you know, maybe a 799 on the radial. Anyway, went up there a couple of times to Queensland, come back to Sydney. This was happening over a period of six months. Every two, three weeks, we are just basically, you know, towing up and down and testing, testing, testing. We started chasing the car on the 235 radial. I believe we were the first to run 520s over the eighth. We were the first to go in the teens, first to run a zero. Um, on the pass where it ran 5001, it ran um, the 774. We're pretty ecstatic after about six months. And I said, look, man, 
you know, to run 5001, I said, man, we've got to go 499. So mm-hmm. I rang up Paul Moyton, another good buddy of mine, on the way back from Brisbane at one of the test meetings. I said, Paul, when's the next test meeting coming up, man? He goes, Vic, we've got a private coming up in two weeks. There'll be four door slammers and a VL. I said, mate, book me in. So <laughs> I walked up to Sydney Dragway on a Thursday night and um, you had the four door slammers and I was just pitted down the back. They knew it was me because they could smell the Slovakia going in the lamb backstrap. You know, I had my crew guys just cranking out the lamb, you know. We, we, we had the open trailer. They yeah. had the closed semi-trailers. <laughs> so anyway, we get to the start line and we built the first pass out. Mind you, it had been the third converter change in three meetings that we'd been to. Uh, the car built out a 502 at 143 and a half, which was the PB speed. I'm like, okay, we're on it. Justin makes a little bit of a tweak. We go back out, it runs a 501 at 143 and a half again. To geez, man, you know, are we going to run it? The third pass, you know, we come back round. Justin goes, just, you know, sit in the car. He goes, pulls a track. He goes, look, it's got a bit more. I said, we'll try to get a bit more out of the 60. Lo and behold, we let go of a button, bang, from a 119 60 foot. The car goes a 1187. Go through the car, like just absolutely ball terror, goes 4990 at 143.88. You know, to go through the finish line and just see that in the car was, you know, pretty emotional, you know. Like, yeah. it had been six, seven months of constant chasing and um, with the good three, four boys around me, we, we got the job done and we were the first to run the, the fours as well with the tyre. Um, not, you know, take nothing away from a couple of guys that were chasing us, but we got it done and, um, yeah, man, I tell you what, man, it was, uh, it took a lot to actually get it, but, yeah, it was very, um, very um, humbling, if that's the right word to do it, you know. Certainly, certainly. So, I guess with with that in mind, the, the passion. We'll talk about radial racing a little bit later as well, and your passion in radial racing. But moving on from there, I guess I watch a show, and while we're here, we're talking about it. Just give the show a bit of a plug as well while you can. So it's the show's called um, Operation Radial Freedom, and it's run by um, you, yourselves. I yep. like to call you, you call yourselves WOGs. I like to call yep. you the well-organised Greeks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a polite way to put it. <laughs> I mentioned that several times last episode. You did, you did. <laughs> and look, I mean, to be honest with you, I watched a bit of it live, but then I went back and watched it all last night because I felt it was important to do the interview that we're going to do tonight justice. So before we get uh, stuck into that, there's just one thing I really want to touch on before we kick off even fur- any further. Uh, Peter, the seller of that uh, Tirana that we saw on the on the episode, uh, how is that sale going? At, how, how is that travelling at the moment? I think he's had a couple of calls. Look, I think he's had a number of inquiries there. Um, he's been uncontactable, obviously. You know, the guy's been um, with, with doctors and I think he's mm. been in a, in a hospital. So I believe a good friend of his was going to reach out to... Um, Christiana of Australian Muscle Car Sales regarding that and um, just see what they can do because obviously the point of contact's a little bit difficult with, with yep. his case. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed he can sort of optimise his sale and, you know, do the best thing he can for himself and obviously for his family, you know. If any yeah. of your viewers are watching and it, and it hasn't been sold by the time this goes to air, um, please get them to to jump onto the uh, Jet 275 page, just have a look at the car. I don't even have to click the episode, but... I'll see the beautiful purple Pro Street Tirana there. It's um it's actually impeccably uh, presented. Um, mm. The cars the cars paint is I would say um, you know very close to a nine out of ten on the, yeah. on the paint. Um, it's got a is that a glide? Yes, glide nine a inch. Glide nine inch, beautiful engine. Um, 
starts, drives, all the lights working. It's a it's a turnkey pro street car if anyone in the country wanted it. Yeah. And um, obviously, Chris at Australian Muscle Car Sales is um, is the contact for that. And they can ship the car anywhere, including WA, which he does mm. often. Um, yeah. Actually, some of the best cars Chris has sold are now in WA. Um, but, um, yeah, if, uh, if it's not sold, we'll let you guys know anyway. And you guys can post it up yourselves. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. So those of you that have been watching, that are watching the video, and if you're listening to us on a, as a podcast, go back and watch the YouTube video. You'll see I'll have pictures of the Tirana on the screen, so you'll be able to see that. And head to Australian... Um, Oh geez, we're Australian muscle car sales, and you'll be able to see it there. It is a beautiful example of a of a Tirana. The paint in the video looked absolutely magnificent. I think you said ninety five thousand dollars worth every single sure. thing, and it's helping out a gentleman that's in a he's got a, a terminal illness, and um, sure. it would be the money is you know every cent. It's just would very be family, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not you know, it's a very important sale. Let's put it that way. All right, guys. I mean, in your show, you wanted to know in your last episode what was going on behind the scenes in drag racing and, and what do we need to do to, to kick things off again. It, it's a question that's been bugging me as well. And I'm the most cautious person you'll ever find, but I still think we need a plan out of COVID-19 to get us back racing. I know you guys feel that frustration as well. So tell us some of the things that, you know, that you, you've heard or seen that, 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 are, that may be happening in the background. Uh, look, Nick, the, the, the episode was, was based on a couple of phone calls we received um, 48 hours prior with uh, an imploding in, in a group one category of which uh, we ended up realising that we were maybe getting pulled into, um, into a, a battle that had been brewing for a while. Um, between a, a sanctioning body and a, and a team. But um, at the end of the day, Vic and I's frustration has been, and just today, um, you know, Vic saw I posted a, a repost from Ozzy Moyer, who owns Orlando Speedwell, who just uh, hosted the COVID-8 radio series um, mm. days, uh, 24 hours ago. And, um, and they've got testing all this week, um, every day. And, yep. and I'm looking at what we're doing in Australia and, and, at the best of times, we're disorganised when it comes to drag racing in this country and on the back foot, let alone when we've had four months off and there's no communication from any any one of the sanctioning bodies, any track. Um, I, I believe Andrew was sending out um, emails to their members, which is great. Um, and Andrew's, you know, nationally recognised by the government as a drag racing association. And I'm not sure on the status with IHRA and where IHRA members and races, but... You know, we, we've spoken to um, to Andrew in between. They've contacted us, and um, and I think they're feeling the frustration of the racer, Nick. Uh, mm. To be honest, and and for us, it's we're just racers, and we're frustrated just as you are that um, we're not proactive enough in this sport. If we're if we're screaming about crowds, well, if the crowd doesn't know when we're going to be racing again, they're not going to be excited at all, mm. let alone the racers. And um and and you know, in the brief discussion we had over the um the digital media that we were conversing on, um, you know, you're well aware there are businesses, there are race teams, there are families that are dependent on racing to proceed or at least have some hope on when that income is going to start again, you know? Mm. You're a tuning shop that depends on race cars. What are you doing these days? Other yeah. than, you know, fixing a few cars that you maybe had in the workshop, there's no work coming in. Mm. No one wants to race because no one can race. Yeah, yep, yep. 
Yeah, and I, look, we completely understand that that frustration as well, and that's why I thought it was important that we get together because I know since your episode last week, there's been some some announcements made in in terms of Sydney. So that that's great news. We have some news on Perth as well, but look, I mean, you guys, if you want to elaborate a little bit more on Sydney, I've also got a bit from Andrew as well because Simon and myself are both. Simon's an Andrew uh, license holder and I'm an Andrew member. So they have been reasonably good with um, transparency. Yet in saying that, a lot of the commentary has been, we really don't know when we can get back Mm. racing. And I think they're leaving a lot of this to the tracks to manage with local government or state government or federal government as to when we can get back to racing. The thing is, though, we ended up in the situation that we're in now with the IHRA and Andra because while Mal Bully was running Andra, he wanted Andra to become like the NHRA. He wanted Andra to be the promoter. So we have a national series, and when that series comes to your track, Andra basically grabs the keys, runs the event, in the same manner the NHRA does. Ultimately, what Mal was trying to do you know, they, they were just against it because they, they felt as though they were losing control. We find ourselves in the situation now where the TV is the same, if not worse, than it was for the Group 1 guys, which means it's hard for them to get sponsorship. And every track's doing their own thing. That's, that's how it appears to me. We don't have a real national series anymore. You know, Andrew's not really interested in Group 1 because there's, there's no one there to promote it. There's no one that's got the, the gusto or the drive to, to push that. I understand, um, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you guys, I, I've not been a fan of the IHRA or Thunder 400 since this all happened because I basically, the way I see it is they were the ones that pushed for this breakup to happen. But understand that they're trying to make something of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, all the Group 1 cars, whether it be top fuel, top door slam, or top alcohol, pro stock, any of those things, uh, we're, we're not... I was racing Super Street, I thought Super Street was the class to be in. When I raced Super Sedan, I thought the same thing. Super Stock, etc., etc. The reality is that, that uh, Top Fuel does bring the crowds. The average Joe Blow that's never races to see it again. Obviously, the, the, the you know, Sideshow Bob backs like the radial classes and so on are, are a, a compelling thing, especially for people that compete like myself and like yourselves. Um, but overall, the Group 1 classes are the ones that are uh, going to get the bums on the seats. And the reality is that in this country, you can't afford to run Group 1. You've got to spend 10, 15 grand at a meeting to try and win four. It's not, you know, it's not feasible. And if you haven't got the TV and you haven't got the sponsorship and you haven't got the bums on the seats to begin with, well, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be a diminishing return. And eventually there's not going to be anyone left to run because they're all broke. Okay. Look, I'm hearing you. We, we, we concur, you know, we, we, we're all on the same page. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, we were saying with Sam, you know, the country's not big enough to have two sanctioning bodies, you know. You know, you know hopefully there may be some amalgamation or I, I don't know. I mean, you know, what's the reality? One will drop off. I don't know. But but definitely there will be some change. I, I can tell you that, you know, things will ramp up and, and obviously, you know, change is a good thing, you know. You got tracks that are split, you know, races are split. I mean, yeah, there's um, too many chiefs. I'll leave you with that. There's a lot that we can't say right now, gents, um, and I'm sure that you're in the same position. The the fundamental issue in Australian drag racing is 
exactly what you said, Nick, that there is no direction other than from what the tracks initiatives are, which is just um, holding pattern um, and, and hold and wait for the government. The difference is if you look at the NRL, if you look at the AFL, um, if you look at any other sanctioning body, if you look at VA supercars themselves, where they were proactive in government lobby, they were proactive in, in opening things up. I mean, you're talking about a contact sport like NRL or, or AFL um, starting a season where, you know, there are more than 30 players on the field. There's another 30 or 40 support staff. There's another 30 or 40 um, media um, representations in order to film the game. Um, and uh, and they, they're proceeding with their season, yet we're sitting on our hands saying, oh, in July, maybe if they open it up to 100, we might do a test day. Well, mate, um, what happens to all the sponsors in drag racing? What happens mm. to all the people that have businesses in drag racing, all the people that have invested in cars? Are we just meant to sit back and say, well, we'll just wait until, you know, the Queensland government decides to open the border? Yeah. What have we done about it, you know? Yep. yep. That's my question. Being proactive. Yep. So I, I can answer part of that. And I and this is the frustration that I feel now because after I watched your episode, I took the initiative myself to try and find out when on earth we are going to get racing in, in WA. And I've kind of hit a dead end, but I've, I've got some information here from Venues West. Now I'm going to read Venues West is the government agency or the government mm-hmm. body that runs the Perth Motorplex. This is a letter that I got from them today. And basically, I will read this out. This is come from the communications manager, but it was, uh, I can attribute this to the Venues West CEO, David Etherton. Venues West has advised consistently that our belief is that the motorplex is best owned and run by the private sector. Pursuit of that objective continues. Like all major events in WA, the motorplex is currently closed due to COVID-19 restrictions. It is not expected to reopen before the end of the usual winter recess. Venues West is currently funded by the government to run the motorplex in the 2020-21 season and should major event restrictions be lifted, consideration of next year's operations will occur. Now, on that read, you can read that as you will. It doesn't really tell us a hell of a lot there. I also got a text message as well from an employee at the motorplex that went on to say, and I'm not going to disclose who that employee is. Given the lack of uncertainty uh, regarding an opening date, all staff have been paid till the end of their contracts in May. Unfortunately, those contracts have not been extended. So I don't know. And I believe that that the same goes for uh, the food vendors, the promotional vendors and so on and so forth. Sponsors too. Correct. So what we're saying, boys, is that at this stage, given the... The body, no the body in charge of the Western Motorplex and inside information from WA is that basically Perth Motorplex is closing as of June. Whereas of end of it's, May, the contracts aren't renewed. It, it's how I read between these lines that are really blurred right now. And I wish... I wish government agencies would give us a better better direction because the people at the Perth Motorplex, the staff more than anyone, deserve deserve better than that. The, the races the thing deserve is, better than that. The thing is, though, if they do make an announcement along those lines, uh, saying that it's you know indefinitely closed, there will be some sort of backlash. You know, whether I mean the reality is that governments across Australia 
don't see as drag racing as that important because less than 1% of the population even know it exists. So it's not really an election issue. The thing is, though, I think that we've proven in the past we know how to make a lot of noise. And smoke. Mm. And smoke. That's right. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> and I've got to add. Um, the only, just the only two seconds. Okay, yeah. Is um, that we use a Metroplex here for Speedway, of course. And much like uh, Western Sydney, we use the car park for Autocarna, Motocarna events, stuff like that. Time attack, yeah. I've been doing some investigation today, best I can without breaking the news to people. They have slowly been informed today as well to find alternate venues. Oh. So that means. Like a few of those guys I know heavily involved rock up with their own crew and all they basically use is a forklift to put some barriers out. They open up one food van and that's all they need. They've been told they can't even have that. Apparently the, the padlocks are on the gate. On power and tool. Yeah. So there you go. But that's as much as I know about, you know, just using the car park at our motorplex. So... The yep. uh, the disappointment in what you've just announced is that um, I would say in WA and, and Vic and I uh, can only speak on what we know of, you know, Eddie Tassoni and all the radio guys that, you know, are investing heavily in radio racing and travelling all across the country. But we've known about Eddie for a long time. And even even back in the horsepower days at Summer Nats and, and all the stuff that he was doing and, 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 and growing the sport in WA um, and bringing it to the map. You guys are very passionate, very um, very committed, and I dare say that the both Murderplex has the uh, reputation of being what the, the best facility absolutely uh, in Australia. The the disappointment we have is, given this news, there is no leadership in drag racing to then fight that and lobby the government. No. That's the Who's the main point of contact that says, "Hey, hold on, this is what we need. Where is it now?" Now, now is that a, I think I think Perth is an Andrew track. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I know that Brett is probably going to be on the front foot once he finds this information out. Um, if you don't know, Brett Stevens is the uh, CEO of, uh, or current, um, uh, you know, leader of the Andrew, Andrew team, of, of which he's running a skeleton staff and, and he's running an organisation which falls under, um, I believe they fall under Motorsports Australia, which falls under FIA. So they're, they're actually recognised as a government body. Um, in, in, in motorsport. I hope that he can, you know, ring tomorrow and, and try and get a result for the youth, for the businesses involved, but it just doesn't sound good for Perth Motorplex from what you mm. guys are telling us. I think the, the big question mark on all of that is if a buyer is found of the Perth Motorplex, then then all, you know, everything changes and, and we continue on as per normal. But that said, we know that the track has been for sale for a significant amount of time now. At Simon, about two years, two, three years. Yeah, and and they had serious offers on the table. There's a proposed marina directly across the road, the Indian Ocean Gateway, of which uh, there's a website set up with all the details. On the map, um, the Kunana Motorplex is marked out as uh, industrial land. Potential, so it says potential industry. Potential, yeah. I don't know, but if WA loses a track, then you know that the sport is um is going to be. You would hate to think that that would happen. Mm. You would hate to think that that would happen. That would be catastrophic. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yep. 
But at, at this stage, I mean, as I said, I'll post that on our website because that is an official letter from Venues West that I have, I had advised them that I would be reading that tonight on, on a podcast and they were, would not speculate any further than that. And I guess we probably shouldn't either. It's the, but I'm reading what was given to, to us and that reads to me. One thing it does tell me, they don't know when they're reopening. And I understand in my correspondence to Venues West, I understand we can't open, we can't go too too fast. Mark McGowan, the WA uh, Labor uh, WA Premier, has been very very cautious in his approach. We completely understand his his um, his strategy, and ninety nine percent of West Australians agree with what he's been doing. Yeah. In saying that, there's no reason why we couldn't aim for a twenty twenty one just a. a a, a fresh start a yeah a date yeah. that's out of the you know doesn't need to be we don't need to stick to that if something happens we can change that but at this stage and a, no a, even the the streetcar race in the wednesday nights there's no reason why they can't just put a cap on the number of cars and just tell people you know you need to abide yeah. by your social distancing i mean when you're in a car you know you're gonna have, you know you're gonna be a good meter and a half away from anyone that's guaranteed <laughs> you know very so, correct. What, what are the implications on the youth? Isn't that why we took racing off the streets and opened up drag strips? I mean, what, and, and that's what exactly what—that's exactly what these politicians need to understand. You know, you've got Channel Nine uh, promoting the Street Outlaws, uh, both the Street Outlaws series. Um, if people are going to know where to race, they're going to turn to that and say, "Well, you know, let's just do it." And I mean, it's not like thirty years ago. Uh, where the cars, you know, were 14 second cars. Now there's guys with seven second cars that drive around on the street. You know, you don't want those types of cars racing each other on the streets. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, this, this is where, again, we need leadership in the sport, gentlemen, and, and our voices and your voices are, are, are the start of it. Uh, the racer, I mean, I'm sure you guys get messages every week and every day. Um, mm. We get messages every day, um, all day about you know what's happening in the sport and the races are aligned i think with everything we're saying i think there's a there's a disconnect between the people that are in leadership positions in the sport and um the people like us which are just diehard racers that are trying to grow the sport um you know if you look at your show you're up to you know episode 86 or um from 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 what you were saying on the intro that's you know that's a lot of time and effort that you guys put in to grow the sport in, in wa and nationally I don't think people understand just the sort of work that it takes to do that, but it's a sacrifice you're making. Mm. Um, and it's the same as Vic and I, you know, we, we technically, we started the show just to, um, I only wanted to find two sponsors for my race car. I did that in the first two weeks. Um, the rest has turned into a, uh, a labor of love now, mm. but you know, if it falls on deaf ears for all of us, gents, it means nothing. Uh, yeah, you know, we, right. we, we, you know, we can only lobby, government so much as races you need people in positions of authority in the sport to to turn around and say no mr government we need the racetrack to protect the youth we need the racetrack to bring in income we need the races to come from sydney queensland and victoria to race at Perth motorplex because that keeps people employed yeah you know they're the they're the factors that we need to be looking at i see I, it just feels like it keeps getting overlooked gentlemen i gather that's your frustration as well yeah is it is it time for us to to have a crack at getting someone into the senate uh you know government lobbying is the only way to do it i, I can only tell you in sydney dragway from everything we've been told that you know it's government lobbying every day 
every day there's someone lobbying the government for for, for at least recognition or understanding. And I, I believe that the the recent um, funds that were allocated between uh, Eastern Creek Raceway and, and Sydney Dragway um, was at least 10 years in the making of lobbying. But yeah. you can see the result, right? Um, this uh, and breaking news for you this this Thursday we've got. Um, one of the, the leaders of the steering committee for all the upgrades who's in charge of the allocation of, of funding, he's government approved, will be on the show. A uh, gentleman named Frank Tarabay will be joining us on Thursday to go over the process and everything that's happening. Um, and he's making changes himself in, in line with that. But, you know, the government has to play a role in Perth, to be honest with you. They have to yeah, play. Yeah. And, and I've made the government aware of some things in Willow Bank and they, they need to get involved there. It's still council owned in Willow Bank. Um, I can break some news to you this evening on in regards to Calder Park. Uh, only five minutes before we came on air, we were on a 40-minute phone call, and, and I can tell you that um, that we have a, on good authority that the Jane Authority, uh, the Jane uh, Corporation, is going to be resurfacing the track in Calder Park. It will cemented. be done. Yes, cemented, way. I believe, the whole way. Yep. Um, it will be the done. The whole by track. The whole oh, track. The whole track. Wow. Yeah, and um, and uh, they're trying to stay away from politics as much as they can, um, and uh, and really it will be a venue for hire, um, and uh, and the 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 people that we're speaking to have that direct information from the Jane Corporation that own it. Um, that's that's the word on the street. Um, so some positive news. There's some positive news. Yeah. The, the disappointing yeah, news that's... is that Swan Hill probably will be uh, down for a long time. Mm. Okay. What, why, what, what's happening at Swan Hill? Swan Hill is a council-owned um, initiative in the dragway, and um, I believe it's a matter of funding at this stage. There is just no funding. Oh, okay. at the there, there's a problem in the, um, I think it's from the 330 mark. Uh, sorry, maybe 400 feet mark, somewhere there. Yeah. It, that's it's a everywhere. 660 um, track there mainly, and the top end of it is um, it's sinking in the transition and there's a bit of a step which is dangerous. You can't run on it. Uh, they've cancelled Jamboree because of it. And um, I, I believe that the council obviously needs to rip that up and re redo it. And that takes a lot of money. So unless a benefactor comes forward, I think that track will be shut for a while. But mm -hmm. I may mention the dust. And there's the a dirt, dust issue. There, there is a, a dirt big issue. dirt and dust yeah. issue. There. The dust pile down, mate, it just covers the joint. Yeah, yeah Harry, Harry's mentioned that to me yeah. a few times that... Um, it's a bit sketchy when the when you get the dust storm coming through there. Mm. Absolutely. And speaking of dust and dirt, I'm hearing that um, that uh, Perth Motorplex also has a speedway connected to it. Um, correct. Are there any so, major issues with that? I, I don't see an issue with the speedway going to Sydney Dragway, to be honest with you. I see um, investment opportunity. I see increased revenues. I see increased family attendance. Um, I don't see major issues other than, um, you know, the issues being raised regarding dust. Perhaps you guys can shed some light and let us know, you know, is it being managed? Is it, is it just a scheduling issue? What sort of happens there? So our track, uh, if you can imagine how uh, your track and our track is, is more or less like a coliseum uh, mm -hmm. set up. So, so the, the very top section um, on the other side is the speedway track. That's how close together they are. So basically we have the food vendors and the alcohol vendors through the center. And on one side we have the speedway, on the other side we have the drag strip. Now, they normally don't run together except for the Powerpalooza meeting 
and uh, the Wednesday nights, sometimes they'll have the um, some uh, Speedway cars there. Um, the dust can sometimes be a problem. It really comes down to which way the wind is blowing. But to be honest with you guys, um, the burnout uh, comps that they have, they have a break on the Wednesday nights and, and at the halfway mark, they send some cars out to do some burnouts. That is way more of a problem. You basically can't run on the track after the burnouts have run because there is so much crap on the track um, to the point where, you know, I've, I've nearly had, on my motorbike, I've, I've nearly had a, a, an accident there. Um, just driving back up through the burnout pad, there's that much rubber stuck to your back tyre that you literally have to scrape it off no. So, yeah, you know, that's more of an issue. There, you know, over the years, people have complained about the dust getting on there. But if they compact it down, and, and what they did at, at Quinana was they brought in clay. So it's not really, you know, dust. dirt. But it's not, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? It's not really it's that not bad. It's not the end of the world is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And, I, and the no. thing is, uh, like, we, I, I guess for a radial prep track, it, it would be different. See, yep. we never really get that kind of prep over here. We, we get uh, what I think is commonly referred to as a dry track, which is more suited to a big tyre car. Yep. Um, you get that wet look like the, the last uh, meeting where all the records went, the, uh, the COVID-8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that track, like, I don't know how they put the glue down. I think they just knocked a 44 over and squeegeed it on or something. <laughs> Ridiculous, you know. I guess that it would be different for that type of situation. If you got dust on that type of surface, you know, that would be a problem. Like Swan Hill. Swan Hill is renowned that when the track's on, it's killer. But as soon as that dust comes, you know, it's kind of, it's all over. Where are they going to build it if they build it at Sydney? It'll be similar uh, to the, the placement of where it is in, in, uh, in Perth Motorplex, it's uh, back right-hand corner if you are looking down the track. So if you're in the right-hand uh, right-hand lane, um, then uh, it would be in the top right-hand corner of the racetrack at the top end. Um, which that's currently the spectator entrance now, yeah. Yeah. So where the spectator entrance is, there's a car park there, um, yep. and where that car park is is where they're planning to put the speedway. So you know now from. Uh, from memory, the wind blows across from the rubbish tip, uh, so it it it'd be the dust would be blowing across the braking area. That's the concern. Um, I, I raised with the steering committee whether 2020 can we do something? You know, is there technology that we can apply? Is there fencing? Is there absorbent? Is there um, you know mist? Is there something that we can do in order to reduce that? Because even the um, even the tip that's there, they've put um, water sprayers and the fencing misters, out to, yeah. reduce, um, to reduce everything, and, and that's worked. So, you know, surely in 2020 we can do something. We'd like to think so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, my understanding has never been a big issue in Perth either. We hear commentary from time to time that there's dust on the track, but it's, it certainly hasn't. It doesn't dictate the, the discussion, does it, Simon? Not in nah, anyway, so. nah, nah. Yeah. Yep. No. So, so they're going to move Parramatta there if this goes ahead? I believe the deal's done, mate, to be honest. Yep. Um, from what Vic and I have been told, what did they say to you? December or something? Someone was Pretty much it was signed, sealed, delivered December. And, and that's so they can develop the land at Parramatta? Uh, correct, yes. They'll just be apartments. Yep. There's been that many oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so it's going to be residential. 
But correct us if we're wrong. Um, the eleven million dollars that's earmarked for Sydney is not tied into the to the speedway at all. That 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 uh, that funding is for the drag strip. From what I understand, there's uh, there, there are portions for investment. Um, I can't reveal the. I think Frank will reveal the dollar amount on Thursday. He's asked that or not do that, but um, the total eleven is not being spent so far. So I'm not yeah. sure whether that amount has been allocated for something else. Okay. No, that's fine. No, that's, that's good. Look, I mean, that's some great news and, and, and one way or another, that things are progressing in Sydney and we're really happy to hear that. Also, there's just a note from Willow Bank Raceway as well. Um, COVID-19 update. Just a quick update as to where we stand. We've staged with three stage uh, easing of restrictions that the Queensland Government has published at this point in time. Willow Bank is unable to open under the strict guidelines that they have been put in place. And we are now evaluating as restrictions begin to ease how we can begin a return to racing. We understand how frustrating this situation is for everyone as it is for us. We do not yet have a start date to hold events with over 100 people, which means we cannot even try to put a calendar together to see what the rest of the season will look like. But we can guarantee the calendar will be jam-packed. Once we're given the green light, we are hoping to get started with competitor test days and small events, keeping in line with all government restrictions. We are currently in discussions with the government. As soon as we have any information, we'll let you know. Rest assured, as soon as we are able to open, we will be open. So that's great news from Willow Bank. They're just saying the right things. Again, no dates, but it, the, the, the dialogue is a lot more positive. Uh, look, Definitely after last Thursday anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but think they had to, that, that actually appeared on their Facebook page not long yeah. after. After yeah. I think it was the day after, wasn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Come hours, on. hours. Mm -hmm. uh, look, we, 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 we did get a phone call from uh, from certain members of the board uh, at Willow Bank, um, basically to say thanks for the kick up the ass because they they were sort of sitting on the fence and whether to make an announcement because they, as you can see, they don't have. And Queensland's probably the worst state of all when mm. it comes to any direct information from the from the Pelosi government. Um, but um, they are they were well aware that there was a frustration brewing, and uh, Vic uh, Vic and I made it known <laughs> that how, mm -hmm. how bad the frustration was. But uh, you know that's all they needed to do because that gives the racer hope that you know the minute that there's an announcement, bang, they're going to be back at racing at Willow Bank. So congratulations to the board in in moving swiftly. And, and mm. giving information, and I gather, gents, that's what it's all about. If we're communicating with each other yep. inside the sport, um, then surely we'll be able to put a message together for outside of the sport. Mm -hmm. But um, as Vic said the other day, you know, you know, you can't have the blind leading the blind. No, no, and you know, we need, we all need to know when the start date's going to be, so we can get ready. You know, and you guys would know there's, there's stuff you got to order. You don't want to order slicks and stuff and then have them sitting for six months. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, we don't have that problem, mate, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Radials are on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. No, but I know what you mean. You walked into that one, Simon. <laughs> I, I've asked for Mickey Thompson to remove slick tyres globally. I haven't had a reason. <laughs> Gum boots are dead. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey guys, we on a, we don't want to labour too much. We we're getting pretty in depth and, and and political there. So let's let's just lighten the mood a little bit. 
I want to talk about like your your radial racing credentials, which are, which are you know that you certainly have them. Um, you guys are in my mind, Simon's mind as well. I think he agrees. Uh, you've naturally become the face of the radial movement in Australia. The the Kenda deal is a great a great gig, but um, how do we make that a national? How do we make that a national gig? <laughs> um, I think we need to get back to racing first. <laughs> in a perfect world. Ah, uh, look, we've spoken to um to Scott Harker and Justin Simpson, who are the boys that um. Have, uh, have created the Kenda series and um, mm. we've, we've spoken to Donald Long who invented radio racing pretty much um, mm-hmm. in the US and, um, and look, Donald's take on it is this, the, the first movement that we need to do is to keep getting the numbers. Um, we've done it in Queensland now with the boys. The boys have done it in New South Wales. Um, the next cab off the rank needs to be um, either WA or Victoria. Mm-hmm. I believe WA um, will probably be closer, but it depends on the track there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to become a national um, series. And the reason for that is, whilst it's nice to travel, um, it's nice. It's probably nicer to have a national series of which you can bring on um, more exposure to the Kinder, Kinder brand um, and, yep. uh, and more sponsorship from a national level means more money. And Vic and I are... are you know, Vic's been probably the biggest um, biggest pusher in, in Australia for more prize money. Um, he's taken a bit of prize money off the Kinder boys. There's a few checks here behind us. But um, the, the big thing is the more money we can put back to the racer in prize money, I believe, brings us more races, more investment, more spectators because the rivalry starts with the money. I mean, you would... Let's just take 235 between, you know, you, George and, and Ash Mason. There's a very strong rivalry there. You know, in the two, three, five radial scene, oh, and look, everyone's pushing each other. You know, what I, mean? It. I mean, it stems just from having a go, and then someone wants to chase and go forward. I mean, if we if we just backtrack, you know, twenty four months ago, mm. I mean, when I first run the two, three, two, two yeah, thirty, it was on the Valium back then. Yeah, two thirty five. Mm. I mean, I had um, you know Scotty Cortina who was running that big HG, that five ninety eight big block with the you know, nitrous deal and that, and he was in 275, he put 235s on and and the chase was on, hence why we're racing every six, seven months, and, you know, it was just getting exciting, you know what I mean, like you're racing week in, week out, people are drawn to it, you know, I mean, you know, oh, there's rivalries, there's there's Mm. people, you know, saying, hey, let's have a look at this class, and a lot of guys, well, not only just step down the class, because obviously guys started stepping up and running, you know, faster programs, but, you know, there's more appeal, you know what I mean, so I guess the excitement comes from, you know, High horsepower, small cars, and it's just, it's just, it's just fantastic to watch in, in terms of what it is. You know, I mean, anybody can have a go. It's eighth mile. It's heads up. It's you know, you've got a chance. You know, there's not yeah, much. Yeah, not, not not over here. It's not. No, we run that. quarter mile. We're, we're not scared to go oh, that last oh, look, bit. I'm, I'm a quarter mile guy all the way, right? And then, and you know, my my goal in my radial car is, is to run very, very fast on a global standpoint and on a 275 tyre. But in terms of the series itself, to answer your question, the biggest attraction that the Kenda series has for us is if you just look at, even myself personally, I, I, I bought an XR6 Turbo as a daily car. I did some modifications to it. I whacked a set of radials on it and I raced in um, Radial Rumble, which is the, 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 um, the lower grade um, entry level into radial racing where there's no judgment 
put a set of radials on, come out, doesn't matter if you run 14s, 15s, 12s, 7s or 8s, you just need to get down in your car and fit the rules. Um, and, and that's where I feel radial racing will overtake the traditional format of racing. The reason for that is is you don't need to have um, you know, $50,000 engines and $20,000 gearboxes to go and compete in the radial series. That's the difference. Um, it attracts a lot of the grassroots racers. And the grassroots racer is yep. the attraction which I believe is where drag racing needs to be um, putting their investment. It's getting the, the kids literally off the street, whacking a set of radials, helping them set the car up and, and letting them have some fun and competing. Why I believe the fitness series will be able to grow nationally. Um, but it does need it does need the tracks to do that, and we're back to the same issue that we started the episode uh, with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you see that being any different to Super Street or Super Sedan? Uh, it's I, I believe it's just the show now. So um, Super Street and Super Sedan um, obviously built traditionally on the same methodology, grassroots racing, um, different tiers. Um, it's now just about culminating the show that um, has become radio racing and, and the. And the results on radial tyres and, and the marketing around that via the social landscape. The, of the cars, the, yeah. you know, the, the, the horsepower that these cars are producing. I mean, you're talking potentially the fastest cars in Australia on, on radials. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to go swing, swing for the hills and say that, you know. Well, 356 to the 8th, I think, was just run by a nitrous car in the US. Um, mm. And yeah. um, Brent Reese Brothers. Yeah. You know, 205, 205 mile, I think. Marcus yeah. Purchase won it on that. That's correct, um, yep. and, and uh, if we're looking at that split time, well, you know, you've got to really have a look at all these um, these other categories and tyre classes and, and see exactly why they're, you know, they're running big steamrollers and, and what the attraction is. You know, you need to tub the car at that point. You need to, you know, totally um, have a, a full-time race car. Whereas, you know, if you've got a VL Commodore where you can sit a set of two, three, fives on and, and hit it down the track, that's a different style of racing. And I think that brings you back to the core when Andrew was running Super Sedan, uh, and Super Sedan had you know two hundred competitors at a national event. Oh, we love those days. You know, we race those you know, days. Yeah. You look at the years two thousand and say five, six, seven, eight, nine, mm. ten. I mean, you know, you've had fields of one hundred sixty, one hundred eighty, two hundred, two hundred twenty yeah. cars at a yep. national meeting. You know, and you'd be going rounds, man. And you know, it was exciting stuff. Mm. I mean, where are we now? Well, this is where we are now. You know, yeah. I mean, was that was that bad? No, absolutely not. Can we get that back again? That is the question for, uh, I mean, it's very hard. I think I think between the tracks and between having two sanctioning bodies and so many different rules, classes and stuff, it obviously just, kills things off. I, I'm a believer it does. I just think it's the youth now, gents. Um, and what appeals to you? So if you look at the you youth, know? they're on social media, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook. If they're looking at these times being done by radial cars, they're saying, mum, dad, I want a radial car, I want to go radial racing. And that's that's the only difference. Um, and well, I we have the junior dragsters. You know that we we reached out yeah, to it and yeah, yeah. we had some ties that I think Scotty Harker was trying Kendall. to get approved there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have maybe you know top six or top eight guys on JDs, but they were doing some testing. Um, uh, what's his name from Paramount? Terry Singh, yeah, from Paramount Performance in Queensland. There was um, I know he was testing some ties, and I think they were reaching out and trying to get it approved with the sanctioning bodies for, for obviously safety issues and stuff to make sure that the ties are right. They were going to sponsor the JDs and say right, put these on and come out and obviously get the younger kids because we've had a lot of younger guys in JDs reach out to us and say mm. the radial stuff's crazy. I mean, just the appeal, you know. I mean, guys that came to that Sydney event, and I know the boys tried for two years to put it on, and without being, I don't know, too judgmental, saying, you know, there was resistance, whatever, they finally agreed and we put the event on, and it was probably one of their best events ever that they had just now in March. 
The goal was in February, sorry, this year. The goal was 90 cars. I think they had 140. Wow. Yeah, okay. The only, um, the only problem that... And there was prize money, etc. The only problem that I see with that, having run radials, you know, and I'm, I'm currently the quickest and fastest in WA on radials, mm-hmm. is the track prep. Unless yeah. that track prep's there, you're not going to run fast. That's just well, how it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I ran at a couple of national meetings. Uh, we went back there at the 400. They had a pro radial class. And, you know, you're right. I mean, the guys did struggle. I mean, these big slick things, they just got to turn the tyre to go. I mean, you know, guys were singing them everywhere. But I, I guess it all comes down to power management and everyone's in the same boat. I mean, some of us still run fast. I mean, we didn't run BBs, which goes back to what you're saying. But um, I guess it depends, you know, where do you want to be and what do you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think I think the... The main thing needs to be where does radial racing fit in Australia? Uh, and you, you know, you're the fastest in WA. Um, you can see the the attraction. You can see potential sponsors based on the attraction. The the movement itself is uh, is something new. It's something um, exciting. Um, are we seeing a movement away from Group One? I believe we are. I believe that you know the youth can relate more to radial racing or or to um, Radial cars. To to a standard style car like super sedan style racing, now more than ever. Because you know, you guys said yourself the amount of money it takes to run a group one category and Oh so yeah. We, you know, but but you, you don't think that, that radial's gonna end up the same way? Um, it can. And we've warned the, the Kender boys about it and, and I've seen it myself with my car, right? Um, but then it's just a matter of choosing the class that you can afford and running the class that you can afford and being part of the show. And I think the show itself is a very positive show that the whole radial series can put together. And the fact that radio racing recognizes all categories, it's not just the big outlaw guys. And if you look at what just happened at COVID, I don't even know who won the outlaw 315 series at COVID. I, I, I don't know. I think it was Marcus Burt won it. I didn't care because in 275, you had, you know, the record pass um, yeah. that, that was laid Mickey. down yeah. by Mark Mickey. So, and then Sullivan... But, but see, that, that's, that's a good... What, what you've just... Mark Mickey's car is a good example, right? Yeah. So that's still a full chassis car. That's still full a serious motor. Absolutely. So, so this, is, this is where I, I struggle with the whole radio deal in Australia at the moment because... There's so many different people going in so many different directions with it. Uh, like in WA, I can't run my car on a Wednesday night. Uh, every time we come forward and say, all right, well, you want us to put an interior in the car, you want us to put windscreen wipers, whatever, we'll do it. They'll introduce a new rule to say, oh, no, you know, you can't have this or you can't have that. You know what I mean? So the, the last one, we, we fitted mufflers to the car and we got a cow, like an eight-inch cow to cover the supercharger. And they said, oh, you can't have the hat sticking out. <laughs> then they said, oh, the exhaust needs to be all the way to it the sounds deep, like you know? It sounds it, like every time they open their mouth, they're paying you a compliment here. <laughs> uh, what it is, is that ultimately, right, let's be honest about it. If we want to be like the Yanks, then we've got to adopt rules Absolutely. that are like that, which basically mm. there is no rules. You know what I mean? Um, it's the tyre... Higher minimum weight and with the Pro 275 class, which I like the Pro 275 class, um, it's still got to be a steel body and resemble, you know, not a pro mod car. Um, 
I think the sooner we get to that, the, the more opportunity there's going to be for the class to grow. Because I, I tell you what, Nick will vouch for this. Uh, you know, I want to go over there and race, but I'm scared. I'm scared to go over there because I'm going to, you know, oh, you can't run. You know, you, you've got the wrong door handles or, you know, <laughs> uh, your blinkers the, the, the don't work. The, the, are you saying you want to race in, in Sydney or you want to race in the US? Well, Sydney, I'm in the process now of, of just clarifying because we're going we're gonna to front it half the car and put factory rails back in it so that it's IHRA legal. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I want to make sure that whatever I do, I can race because I'd, lo- I'd hate to tow over there and be told I can't run. No, you know there's only mean? a few rules. Um, so, so are you going 275 or 315? Oh, I'd, I'd like to stick with the 315, personally. 315, there are no rules, my friend. <laughs> it's not what your run. rule book says. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, if you were to race Kenda, the rule is 315 tyre. Run what you've run. So that's, that's Willowbank only, yeah? No, Sydney, Sydney Willowbank. They're running Sydney as well. Mm-hmm. And that's got nothing to do with Thunder, IHRA. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. Your car has to be IHRA teched. Yep. And IHRA license holder. Yeah. So you use that, they use that as a sanctioning? Oh, no, not for that car. You need to have it. It runs 11 O's, man. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Super speed license will get it going. (laughs) Just launch off the line and then it roll through. Um, What's the the fastest mile an hour that you've actually run in that car? At the eight. No, I let him go quarter because they're quarter boys. Hasn't it gone 217? Yeah, uh, 228. 228. So, wouldn't it be a nice match race? You versus Zapier. You on radials, him on slicks. Prep on each one. $5,000 for the win. Can't we promote something like that? No, I'd rather put the slicks on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easy way, not we, the fast we, way. We were, we were ready to go to Potung's meeting. I, I yeah, was keen to go. Been. Yeah, because I've, I've gone 390 plenty of times on the big tyres and it's all steel. It's all steel, standard dimension, standard size. It's just a, bring it down, a taxi. Man. It's not uh, cheap, but bring but, it down. But, you know, look, the, ra- the radial deal, I mean, we were, we were promoting the radial deal years ago, telling people that this was the future because back then the numbers were incredible considering that the tracks weren't as prepped as they are now. I mean, now that, that's like flypaper. It's Velcro. You know what I mean? So, so, and that's the thing that I see as being a problem because I'd love to run on a track like that. You can have the rear end set up just about neutral and the car will stick. Then it's just power management from that point onwards. And you, on the 235, you would know what I'm talking about with power management because that's what <laughs> hey, it's all about. Hey, you go one the 60, man. That mother- no, no. She's my bitch. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy, beep, man. That's unbelievable. Beep, beep. Was that our first beep? Beep. That's passion. That's passion. Don't panic. It's all good. It's all right. <laughs> Pre-recorded, mate. It's all right. You might be. Yeah, yeah. It's all good here. <laughs> Gents, I'll, I'll just looking at your car in the background caught my eye before. Speaking of COVID-8, there's a fitting tribute there on that Valiant on the on the bonnet. Uh, it's a, that's a Donald Long hat and and uh, that's, the, uh, that's well. the genuine. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a closer. That's that's the genuine one. That's oh, that the is awesome. In <laughs> I don't know if you can read it from there, but there's a personalised message to us which says to my Aussie brothers, uh, "Love you always with love, Duck." Radial ties to the front, radial ties to the front. Yeah, and that's the hat that goes to the... Uh, that's one of the winners' champion. That's an open compact. 
I managed to score it off the winner there and I brought it back on the plane. Oh, I think wow. that might have been oh. That's awesome. Unbelievable. Yeah. And what's the story the with the Valiants? Well, there's a Valiance. Well, look, I'm a, I'm a Chrysler guy. I'm a naturally aspirated guy. My roots stem from NA, pro stock, that stuff. My mind goes crazy. Don't ask me. I got tied up with a veal. That's a long story, but um, mm-hmm. that was something I was playing with in the downtime, the RBs. But my father obviously had Chryslers and stuff and grew up around Valiance. And, yeah, this is my uh, 68V VIP. Obviously, it runs 235 steel rim radials, and that car used to run like 970s, 136 aspirated. It was more block about. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, man. So, yeah, that's all. So, he's working, so with, he's, he's Steve, working with his mate Nick Zarakis on the next engine for that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, that's crazy. Steve from Motortech with the yellow VL, he's a Chrysler head as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's a bit of a Mopar guy. Yeah, I was uh, a bit shocked to hear that. A few years I didn't know um, that, but um, yeah, he loves these old uh, well, well, charges and there's stuff. There's the VL. On a, you want to open the engine, mate? Can you open? Uh, we can't show them the motors out. I was panicking there. I didn't know. Um, there it is. That's actually uh, what's it? that's the fastest um, three liter. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cars unbelievable, block, water man. Block. Wow. Unbelievable. We can't rate the right. We 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 really need to get the tracks open. I'm, I'll be like like I said, we run like four ninety nines, five O's. We run the seven forties and. To go 482, 148, like, you know, we just sort of know where it's going to go out the back door of the car. So we're just hanging to um, get the tracks open and mm. one or two to the eighth and do a Hail Mary and run it out the back door and pull the chutes and come back. And that's it, man. Crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. It makes it sound easy. Oh, hopefully <laughs> we might see that magic 740 or 750 come up. But, Mate, um, there's some serious gap between you and the rest of the boys, that's for sure. A gap? Uh, look, look, there's a buddy of mine, George, <laughs> down south, George Javesky from Lotus Caravans. Um, he, he's got a billet one of these. He's uh, got he's the, crazy. He's got the um, the big dog, the, the, the grandfather to this. I mean, Justin Wilkinson up there at JW did a 3.2 deal for him on methanol. Uh, the car's actually... He's S- single glass. cam or twin cam? No, it's a single cam as well. He runs four glass windows. I've got four Lexton. Uh, he runs back seat, front seat. Everything's on the car except for wipers. Um, he put two three fives on the car. Actually, I'll, I'll backtrack. He put two fifty fives on in January, and he went out the back door two passes. and runs seven forty at one hundred ninety three eight. <laughs> Come back round. I looked at the time. I said, "Geez, man, he just went four ninety at 153 to the 8th on a 1-3-0. Oh, I said, gee, Sydney's going to be interesting next month. I'll go to Justin. Justin goes, I've got a few things up my sleeve. Anyway, we get to Sydney, man. The thing belts out a bloody 470 at 157. Holy smoke. Holy shit, man, on two three fives. I said, dude, man, this thing's going to be awesome. Anyway, he did three runs. He went through the second round. Unfortunately, got a bit loose on him. He sort of pedaled it on and off, and he ended up crashing the car. So that thing's all apart in the last sort of two and a half months and um, they've been few, working pretty hard to get that car back back together. But he did tell me, he goes, he wasn't going to run it out the back on two, three, fives. He goes, you put the two, five, fives back on and do it. And they, they, their plan is, you know, the numbers are lining up to see probably a seven, zero and obviously the 690 chase will be on 200 miles single game. Well, next wow, time that's crazy, him. man. Yeah. He, he bought the, uh, the Ikanuka. He bought the Ikanuka off the Sheik there, the Lexus. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah? Uh, the ISF, um, 
you know that thing there. So so next time we're with him, we'll uh, we'll give you guys a call. You can uh, you can have a private uh, viewing of the uh, Ikanuka. Is that, that, that the chassis one or the or the back halved one? No, uh, the back half one. Back half one, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was Ferris's car for a while, eh? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. car was running in that Pro Boost class with weight, like it weighed something stupid, like 3380 or something like that. That's just ridiculous, man. It was running like four rows, four ones, you know, like over the eight yeah. on, on 275s. Obviously, there was uh, a couple of things where they said, no, you can't put the 275s because of this and the that on the back of the floor. I'm like, look, put the 315, let the guy get a bit of a feel and, he managed to get just a couple of runs in just at Jambo. They obviously got washed out. Um, so he couldn't really do much, but he got a bit of a feel for the car, I think, to the 330. So that car's now back to the new specs. So that's uh, the fuel tech's been removed. Uh, Motec's back in the car. JW's put a Motec back in yeah. there. Um, all the stuff that Shane T sort of had in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. There. Yep. Um, and it's got the, uh, the the turbos that it used to have is now back on there. So The 88. Yeah, so, you know... That car's now back to Ikenu's spec, and we've uh, reached out to the Sheik as well, trying to get him down the next time it races. But, um, yeah, there's some exciting things happening in, in our worlds as well as uh, some other people that we're, you know, associated with. But racing, I think, racing's got a lot of uh, momentum in Australia. I just don't think we're harnessing it well no, enough. To- 100%. 100%. 100%. Yep, agreed, definitely. Agreed 100% on that. That's I mean, you guys are definitely doing your bit. 86 episodes in, well, just recapping, like, that's a testament mm. to you guys and well done. And Congratulations. You guys are flying the flag hard for thank WA you. and the country and good on you guys. And, and thank, yeah, you. Awesome. Thank, thank you for everything you do for the sport because we understand exactly what goes into, you know, bringing content to the, the people and mm. you guys should be commended and, um, and we'll be sure to give you guys a huge shout out on our show on Thursday because, you know, people, we need to be supporting each other to grow the sport together. 100%. Guys, it's something that, that Nick and I talk about frequently. Um, I don't know if you had the opportunity during the, the late 80s, early 90s to, uh, to go down to Calder Park and watch any of the racing there. Back in those days, more people went to the drags than all the other sports combined in Australia. We had this discussion. I was going to cut you off there. Sorry, Simon. I remember going there in 95, 96, 97. TAC Nationals and I remember we entered in Super Street and I used to look on the on the left there and you could see no word of a lie I reckon 15 maybe 20,000 people man yeah. and I'm like yeah. wow wow yeah. what what happened where did this all go man you know yeah it, yeah I know like it's a tragedy people, and they don't believe you but there are some photos and I'm going to pull them out like I was only a young bloke at the time and I used to look and I said Holy shit! Look at these people, man. It was electric. The atmosphere, man. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was definitely, what definitely. What what changed? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I mean, still to this day, if you get someone that's never been to the drags and expose them to door slam or, or top fuel or, or funny car, you know, they're yeah. blown away. Absolutely blown away. We uh, we have this thing over here uh, called the Festival of Speed and uh, Zaps. Uh, gone a couple of times and you know you get all these people that they're more the the circuit car sect you know they have the champagne and so on and when he comes out and does a skid pass and blows their hair back in a big way you know and, and they, they're like what was that you know the hell you know that's what we need to we need to expose people to it i'd love to see a, a drag strip down you know the center of oxford street there in sydney that's what we need to do we need to bring it to the people <laughs> 
Uh, look, I, I didn't get him started on that. Please, please, please. Your episode, I don't know how long we got to Don't get him started on I, I never forget the time. Festival <laughs> speed, uh, Pilkington. Rob Pilkington in a top old, top alcohol funny car did a burnout down the straight of Wanneroo Raceway, and then this is no word of a lie. I think I've got it on video somewhere. Was able to spin it 180 degrees and do a burnout back the other way in a top alcohol funny car. That is no word of a lie. Rob Pilkington, legend, absolutely local legend. Rob Pilkington. Oh, there was a there was a match race uh, between the Castrol Formula One team and the Castrol Funny Car um, years ago. Alan Dobson, uh, Greg Gow was the crew chief back in those days. And, uh, you know, it was the same thing that the, the Funny Car, you know, obviously got, got the jump on the, the uh, Formula One car and then had to negotiate a corner <laughs> <laughs> and get the car back. So, yeah, there's been some amazing things uh, in the promotion. And I guess that that's kind of seems to have gone it seems like we're not really pushing that anymore yep, yep. we're back to the first question <laughs> hmm. we are we are guys it would be remiss of us before we finish up we need to talk about one more thing it's the elephant in the room and that's the fgx and <laughs> andrew hawkins <That's> me. <laughs> Are we able to talk about that? Because I, I found I was quite interested in your project F, FGX and and how um, can you tell us a little bit about? You may have mentioned Andrew Hawkins Motive DVD, I believe, and chop chop. <laughs> um, it runs a gearbox from Western Australia, and that's the only thing saving it at the moment. Um, oh, you uh, got we, one of Rob's gearboxes. Yeah, yeah, we got a Monster Talk gearbox in there. Um, the the project FGX came about. I had a VFLSA, um, and I've been a holding guy since day one. Sam's been a HSV guy since he was born, I think. But anyway, <laughs> this is a, he's changed religions. <laughs> I, will do that. Uh, I, uh, look, I, I like to put that they dropped me before I dropped them. <laughs> he's um, put the blame on Tom Scafies, mate. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. I um, I really missed the turbo in the race car, and um, that's been a bit delayed. And I said, you know what? I'll, I'll shift the GDS now because it's um, it's a good time to get rid of it. People wanted it. It was the end of HSV, um, and I got I got uh, you know some good good money for it at the time. And then I said I'm going to build a daily driver. That's just an absolute weapon that I can compete with at um, you know the runway events and and the um, and the roll racing here in Sydney. And I know the same crew does the roll racing in Perth. And um, I said to so you build, build you're building a GDR. <laughs> Well, a GDR beater. You're building an Evo. I like uh, doing things the hard way. Uh, Vic's built an Evo that's pretty crazy on the street with one of the boys. But, um, the whole point is to, to try and get this FGX to um, give it to these guys. We've got the uh, PCM tech, which is um, just some software on the factory ECU. But uh, it's got progressive traction control, boost by gear, um, all sorts of uh, features that we're, we're integrating with the Motec at the moment, Dash. Um, we've got full logging capability. Um, at the moment, it, it made just under 900 horsepower um, to the tyre. Um, and uh, went with Vic the other day and um, got a new engine being built for it. Um, there's nothing wrong with this one. I drove the car here, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a race with uh, Andrew Hawkins because... Um, he keeps saying that he chops all the barrows and he's got a sequential gearbox and about a thousand plus horsepower in his R32. And I've told him that we're going to race for some money at his next event. Um, so 
we're going to race for a thousand dollar pot, five hundred from me, five hundred from him, and the winner takes all. And um, let's see what the FGX can do. Mate, we'll be one hundred percent behind you guys. I, I, I'm thinking about side bets here. Yeah, no. oh, there's going to be That's why we did it, right? Oh, there are side um, bets. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> well, I'm going to take one of these core leads off his bloody, uh, bloody off his ejectors or something here, man. Don't worry. I'll make sure we can beat him. Don't worry. <laughs> Andrew Hawkins, mate, he bit off more than he can chew, man. We'll see what happens. <laughs> no, nah, look, it's, uh, it's all in good fun. Um, it's all in good fun with Hawkins, and uh, we're going to help promote his event. And um, look, for me, uh, it's definitely... Um, I'm proving that you can daily drive these cars. I picked my daughter up from school in it. I drove here. I drove drove my dad yesterday to go get a hot dog and a pie from his favourite place. You drove from Sydney <laughs> to Canberra. I drove Sydney to Canberra and back. Um, Half a tank, man. So <laughs> it's on the 85 full time. I, I, I'm just proving that um, the engineering from everything that the the, the industry is moving to can be used daily. It's just your right foot that's that needs to be um, controlled. Grand yeah. Um, and oh, yes, yeah, and I've got a big shout out to Argyle Automotive for everything they've done, put the car together, and uh, Grant and Rob from ESP Racing in Canberra. Um, they're the distributor for Monster Tour gearboxes um, for, for the, this, East the East Coast. And um, that's why I, I delved into Monster Talk because they said if you're going to make big amount of power, you've got to use this guy in WA and... And, uh, and, you know, Rob's probably the best when it comes to the ZF gearbox in Australia. I think there's another guy in WA too um, who, who does some great ZF, ZF gears. But, um, yeah, it's got a, a gearbox all the way from WA. Well, a big shout-out to Rob. He'll, he'll be listening, Rob, to this. He listens to all of our episodes, and uh, he's helped us out in the past, Rob. So shout-out to Rob at Monster Talk. We, um, Absolutely. He's, he's helped us out as well. Helped, I know he's helped Simon out, so he's a good guy. Yeah. One of the good guys, that's for sure. Definitely a good guy, and he's even helped with, you know, he understood what I was doing with the car. He got a converter set up for it, and, um, and uh, mate, it hasn't skipped a beat, to be honest. Um, you know, the only thing stopping that engine from making more of the rods so I have to put for a standard engine. I mean, gee, you know, Are you serious? It's it's a standard, standard engine. engine. Standard, standard, standard engine, man. It's got standard rods, standard pistons, uh, standard crank. Everything just keeps going. Right? Three months of hell. Unbelievable. Yeah. But it's a testament to, uh, to Ford. Yeah, to Ford, <laughs> mate. People say, who built the motor? I said, Broadmeadows. They go, who's that? I said, Ford, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's got stock eggs too, which people can't believe. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. So, I mean, that's reminiscent. Of look, look, we hope we got enough to take down Hawkins, but anyway, we'll see. I don't know. It's a friendly rivalry. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. to lose 500 to get on the video. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think he'd charge you more than that if he was doing it on your shop. That's <laughs> it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, guys. Well, look, I know it's getting late over there in, in uh, New South Wales, so we really appreciate your time. Please shout out for the show. It is, uh, what nights is it on? Is it on always Wednesday night or is it Thursday night? Uh, it's normally on a Thursday night. Yep. Uh, it's Operation Radio Freedom. Um, we try and do it every second Thursday, but with COVID, we've been doing it every week. So I think everyone's used to it every week now. Mm. Um, we moved to Instagram for interviews, but apparently Facebook might be bringing them back now. So yep. we'll see how that goes. But we try and do it on both mediums. And um, it's normally on at 8 o'clock in okay. uh, Eastern Standard Time. No worries. Um, before we go, Vic just wanted me to show you his... Um, the Greek Mercedes. Just the Greek Mercedes here. For all Still rims. For all the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Still rims, 235s, 970s, 136, man. 
Drive it home, mate. The old Marigold Mercedes, mate. That's crazy. That's <laughs> <You're> crazy. crazy. <laughs> well, boys, thank you so much. And uh, thanks for having us on. And um, we'll be giving thank a huge plug to your show on, uh, on our show. That's for sure. No worries, thank you. And also www.thejet275.com can buy all your merchandise. You have a big range of merchandise, I must say. You've done really well there. So, And someone's going to kick me up the butt uh, as soon as this interview finishes to get, get on with some Talking Power merchandise. So now I've been there and had a look at that. So head there for all your the Jet 275 um, and Operation Radio Freedom merchandise. You've got some great stuff there. Really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for coming on. Send your sizes and we'll send some T-shirts out for you and maybe some for you guys to give away on your next show. No worries. Awesome. No, we really That's appreciate fantastic. that. Thanks, 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 Thanks for having us off. On. No worries. Take care and all the best. Catch up. Radios to the front. That's it. No <laughs> worries. <laughs> See you, boys. See you, mate. Thank yeah. you. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.